welcome back to another episode of Grownish. I'm Brooklyn Beatty. And I'm Josh Williams. And today we're going to talk about our recommendations. And that is a really vague topic. I'm aware of that. But I feel like we are into all kinds of different stuff. Books, movies, TV shows, whatever. And I kind of just thought it would be cool to have an episode where we just told people the things that we liked and the things that we think other people might like too. I've been looking forward to this one ever since we drummed this one up and said, hey, you know, we should talk about recommendations and break it down. And the categories that we came up with, I feel like these are all relevant for everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, not only will we be able to recommend some of the topics and some of these, uh, well, I know I'm sitting here looking at two books in front of me that I'm excited to tell folks about, but I'm hoping that maybe you will go and and find these books and and maybe add them to your collection or add them to your life and and maybe take some thanks away from this. So, Mm -hmm. and and you're going to get a view of us as well. So for sure. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, I don't know. Do you want to just go ahead and like start off and tell me something that you want to recommend to people, Absolutely. whatever it is? Well, what's what? I mean, let's start on the the television category. I okay, guess, yeah? we can do that. Okay, um, I, and it's no secret if you've been listening to Grownish all along. One of my favorite television shows is on Netflix, and it's called The Crown. Um, and it, what it does is a political television show that basically follows Queen Elizabeth II through her early childhood all the way up until she becomes queen. And now it takes, a, a, in season three and four, it takes a more in-depth look into her life. And you get to see, uh, there's just something about the monarchy there. But you get to see the evolution of the monarchy, the trials and, and tribulations of it. Princess Diana has now joined the family in this last season. So you're getting, and, and whether or not... They have been 110% accurate with this is besides the point because, as you like to remind me all the time, um, it's a movie. It's a television show. So there Mm -hmm. has to be some type of cinema, you know, expectations in there. I know absolutely nothing about the show other than what you have told me. So it's based loosely on their storyline, but it's not all accurate? Or is it mostly based on their storyline and just a little bit inaccurate? It's actually based on events, so factual events that have happened. Um, Much like in our government here, uh, there's a library of Congress. There is a a library of the monarchs in Mm -hmm. in England. And what it's done is all the records, they journal, all, all of them. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. The whole family, all of these folks are journaling. So they have actually detailed accounts of all of this and whether or not the family has been willing enough to and Queen Elizabeth family has been willing enough to give over those journals and help out with this. They have. But um, there's also been some things that have come along the way that they've put out there that the family did not like. And um, in season four, there was a couple of things. They really made Prince Charles to come out to be, and that's Queen Elizabeth's son, who is the next in line to take over the throne. Um, And many think that he is going to take over the throne at some point, but they make him out to be very, very ill-tempered and emotional, erratic, and they make him, they they pretty much victimize Princess Diana in this, which it may or may not be true, but they make Prince Charles out to be the, the, the criminal, the, the culprit, and mm. why she feels so awful in the way that she does. And she goes through her eating disorder, and they highlight that in there, too. So things that I didn't even know about Princess Diana in that situation, and I'm sure some do, but I didn't know she had an eating disorder. I didn't, I didn't know that that was one of the ways that she was coping with depression. But this is one of those things that the the producers, directors of Netflix, uh, the Crown, they made sure to put that in there. And so for that, I think there is a lot of historical fact base in this that goes into it. So I don't know if loosely the the drawback there. I don't know if loosely is the, is where I would go with it. I think. Um, they did it as respectfully, as tastefully as they could with bringing out the truth, even if the truth didn't want to come out to light. And I say that even with the fact that they brought out the fact that 
Queen Elizabeth's family. They literally put in um, four, six members of their family that was um, special needs. Yeah, so back in that time, they, they didn't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. So what they thought would do, so that way the, the public image, you know, they wouldn't think that the the royal blood is is tainted. That was their way. That's they, so wild. It's wild, isn't it? I mean, it? I like the public didn't know about this y- literally until I think not, either 1994 or 2004. They literally kept it's it a really secret. It's really that recent. That recent. Wow. That recent. And this was in like I think 19. It was in the 1940s and 50s that they actually put them in the uh, asylum there and left them, and they actually died there. Without ever, and Queen Elizabeth, she never visited. I'm not trying to, to tarnish anything, but she didn't visit. So, I mean, it seems like it's still a stigmatism with it this family. Of, it does, know? because if it, if it was that recent and no one still is hearing about it until this show comes out or whatever. Yeah, never. Wow. So okay. there's all sorts of things in, in The Crown. If you like, um, if you really do. And, and um, I'll pull you up the, the actors' names here, but uh, they've done a, a, an amazing job on this. Uh, Claire Foy. Uh, Olivia Coleman, um, uh, Amita Stainton, um, they have really, really carried the weight of this. Um, Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman, they both played Queen Elizabeth. One was the younger one. One is now the more seasoned queen. But she, they've done an amazing job on this. And uh, there's four seasons out there, folks. So there's a lot to catch up on. Even if you're looking for something that's like, hey, um, I want to get lost somewhere. Uh, this is a perfect place to get lost and maybe learn a few things along the way. You make me feel like I don't want to talk about my shows. Why? Because yours are so interesting and mine are super basic. Well, remember what we go back to. We started out this thing and I told you one fact about me. I love to learn. So if I can get a t- TV That's show. Evident. That's that very I'm evident. Learn, yeah. So, but I feel like for you, not to put words in your mouth, I feel like you are the one that's distract me, take me away to fantasy land. Like, yes, let's go. make me, I just want to relax. And I honestly don't have a lot of shows I want to talk about. That's not really my, like... It's not your jam. I don't know. I, I kind of got carried away with the book section, personally, when I was thinking about recommendations. Oh, girl, we should have started there. It's okay. We can do shows first. That's okay. what you wanted to do. Okay. Um, but one show, and this is kind of a newer show uh, a couple years ago, but one that like has really stuck out to me, and I haven't been able to see the most recent season yet, but it's The Good Place. Have the you ever place. watched that? This is the one about heaven, right? Yes. I've only seen previews. Never um, watched it. 10 out of 10 recommend. No way. It was one of those shows where I just needed something to watch and I was kind of just like scrolling on Netflix to kind of just see like, hey, what's out there? What's new? And it kind of popped up and it seemed interesting, but I was blown away by how detailed it really was. Like the longer they got into it, because it's kind of one of those goofy shows where it's got like, you know, like they have humor. It's lighthearted, which is definitely up my alley. I love lighthearted TV, but there was a lot of like, in-depth meaning behind a lot of it too because it is what happens is i'm not going to give too much away because there's a huge plot twist a couple episodes oh, in I love but plot twist she went and that's the thing this show actually had one of the biggest plot twists of all time no way. to me oh my god i was floored by what happened but she wakes up sitting in an office like that's how the show starts she's just sitting in this waiting room and she gets called into another room to meet this guy and she basically is told like you're dead and you're going to heaven and he takes her to heaven and he shows her everything and it's about and you kind of just like see this whole world that she's about to live in and stuff. But it's just weird because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Just watch it. If you like lighthearted TV, but you like stuff that's got a little bit deeper of a meaning to it. And one of the biggest plot twists, I don't remember what friend it was, but I had told a friend to watch this show and she texted me and was just like, oh, 
my God. And I was like, she got to the point. She knows. <laughs> she got to the twist. We're there now. Oh, boy. Yeah. So one of my definitely my newer favorites, because I like a lot of the older stuff. Like, I'm a huge fan of Friends, The Office, Parks and Rec. All those shows are just like the She's classic. always dropping Parks and Recs and uh, quotes around oh here. Oh, my gosh. I love all that stuff so much. <laughs> so it's like, I would always recommend that. But I feel like a lot of people have seen those shows. And then obviously the Vampire Diaries, but I've talked about that like five times on the podcast already. We so know I, how she feels about the we, Vampire Diaries, folks. We know how I feel. So that was kind of just all of my TV's cl- TV shows clustered in one. But if you have more you want to talk about, be my guest. Well, not to go any further than what I already have, but I, I do like to, uh, I like the political theater there. Even though I'm not really into politics like that right now. Right. However, there's another one out there with um, House of Cards. Kevin Spacey. Oh, I've never seen that. It's one of those shows that um, it takes this congressman, Frank Underwood is his name. That's who Kevin uh, Spacey plays. And um, I'm trying to think of, I think her name is uh, Robin Wright. Um, She plays his wife in this, and and she is an amazing, talented actress as well. Um, I think this kind of helped kick off her career even later in her life, because I think she's like, she's on the other side of 40, which, you know, and to be kicking off your career late in life like that, that's that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. So Robin Wright did an amazing job in this. But it's, uh, it takes this young congressman from the start of a 2013 year, and I believe that was the first year it came out. So, And it put him in a spot where he is a majority whip of the Congress, which means that he is like he's largely in charge. We'll just call it that. He, he has a lot of pull and power. Um, but it takes him and shows how he manipulates and moves his way up the line into a two-year span where he becomes – just a simple congressman with a majority whip, and he becomes vice president, and then he eventually finds a way to MacGyver his way into the presidency, the White House, all while never being elected for any of those offices. It was all about him scheming, manipulating, and pulling ways to, to get into this spot. And for me, it was an eye-opener, because I feel like if there ever was a television show that really depicted what happens in Washington, D.C., I feel like this show hit it right on the head. Some folks like to say, well, this like showed like, you know, Frank Underwood and and Claire, which are uh, Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. Um, they said that they were depicting uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton in this and, and the way that they came to power, which uh, if you know anything about the Clintons, they didn't do this uh, type of, um, you know, uh, a wildness. But you look at uh, someone who is on his way out right now and it kind of reminds you of like, wow, what did this man do? You know what I mean? So it, it's it's wild, man. Like I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I completed all of the season. I think there's f- six seasons out there, and each one of those, my goodness, the end of them were so incredible. Like I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat, and it always came around uh, Valentine's Day too. So February Valentine's Day, forget all the love and all that. I was hooked on. Kevin Spacey. You're ready for Robin your next Wright. season. Oh my gosh, I couldn't wait. But it was just because literally, it's like. You never know what goes on behind those closed doors of, like, Congress and things like that. And I know, like, folks really don't care about that. But, dude, like, it's we live in the United States. There's, you know, there's not a lot of transparency behind those closed doors. We get a television thing called C-SPAN. They give us a little little camera angle, and they plug us into the mic feed there. But that's it. Yeah. I want to know what's happening, where the handshakes are going in. Someone needs to put on, I mean, the cops nowadays, they have body cams. I feel like our Congress people need body cams. Senators need body cams. That's actually really not a bad idea at all. I want to see what's going on. So that way I know when you're representing me behind those closed doors, what's going on, man? Tell me. So on your little lapel pin or on your tie clip right there, give me a little, and I know technology is out there. They got it. Give me a little mic 
Give me a little camera. Show me what's happening in the state house. And I want to see how accurate that is. Lights, camera, action. Boom. They like that theater stuff anyway. Right. So come on. I'm putting you on. Congress. Jackie Lewarski. Come on, girl. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> but if you want to, this would be pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. My it dad's a cop. Fun. I'm sure we could borrow his uh, body cam. Okay. <laughs> House of Cards. Check Any it out. Any other shows? Or... <laughs> By the way, that's where we were, we're back to. House of Cards. Um, and yes, House of Cards. But that's, I only came with two today. And that's okay, because I told you I didn't have a lot of TV shows anyway but to talk we've, about. We've got three other categories, I believe. Oh, yeah. Maybe four categories. Maybe four, even. And, but we've got a ton to get to in this one. So maybe we, we break, come back, and which one you want to go next? Books? Let's do books. Books, it is. Stay tuned. And welcome back. We are going to cover books now and our top recommendations for our favorite books of all time. And since I let you go first last time, ladies first, now. I'm going to go first this time. And I'm going to, this is actually probably my favorite author only because she's written three books. And out of those three, two of them are my all time like favorite books. So I feel no like kidding. I have to counter. I don't know if you've heard of Rachel Hollis. Rachel Hollis. But she wrote the books. They're called Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing. And then she did write a recent book called Didn't See That Coming. And I did buy that. I have. I own all three. That one was not my fave. I'll be honest. Um, but no? the first two I was in love with. They were seriously. That's how I started my 2020. I wanted to start reading. And I think I read both within like a couple days. Nice. Um, and the Girl, Wash Your Face book is one of those books that if anyone ever asks me for a recommendation, that's the one I give them. I'm obsessed with it. It has, there's just so much to unpack. I should have probably just brought it with me, honestly. But it is just like chock full of life advice. And it is more so aimed at women. Um, and I would say if you are in your 20s or 30s, it's just, it's the perfect book for you in that time of your life. It teaches you all kinds of different life lessons that she has learned along the way. I love the way that she writes because she's just so open and honest in herself. Like, you know, sometimes when authors write that you can tell that they're purposely like kind of just like sprucing it up a little bit and they're not really using their real voice anymore. Yeah. She is not like that. She is 100%. You know, the way she is writing is the way it would come out of her mouth in person. So I respect that about it's her. It's a unique way of writing. Yeah, and she's been through a lot, and she goes into depth about, like, she had some issues with, um, like, conceiving children, and then she went to try to adopt kids, and she had foster kids, and the foster kids got taken away from her because they, their parents wanted them back, and it goes through, like, all this heartbreak of, like, figuring out her family situation, oh. and her and her husband, like, finding each other, and, like, all this stuff, and then it's like... She is such a hard worker. She owns her own business. She started her own company from the ground up, and she's super successful now. So it's like an, on top of having, like, this big family, like, she is doing the thing. Like, she has so much to be proud of in her, like, short life. I think she's only, like, 40 right now. She's what? pretty young. Yeah. And so I'm just super amazed by this woman. Honestly. I love her. Oh, my God. So I will say I'm the kind of person when I do read books that I'm super into, I either highlight it if I know that I'm going to not regret highlighting the book or I at least like write it down. And if you if you if you like to read and you like to keep quotes in mind, if you don't have a Goodreads account, get a Goodreads account. I just found out about Goodreads.com. It's basically like Facebook, but for people who like to read. That's incredible. All it is is people talking about what they're reading. But 
What? And you can kind of like write. There, there's ways to basically post the book that you're reading. And then basically you just type that in and it'll pop up on your profile. Like currently reading Girl, Wash Your Face yeah. by Rachel Hollis. Okay. And then you can, it has a section for you to write down your quotes that you like. It has a section for you to leave reviews of the books that you've read. It keeps track of how many books you have read. What? It's awesome. I'm in love with it. It's super cool. But while I was reading Girl, Wash Your Face, I um, was like really, really taking in to like taking it into my heart of what she was saying because it was like stuff that I um, really didn't think about. And I definitely kept some quotes for myself. So I thought I could read some of the quotes, but I will say they're super long. So this first one, um, and I, I feel like everyone obviously knows this, the whole like someday isn't guaranteed, you know, take every day and treat it like you don't know what other ones guaranteed to you. Yeah, I saw that on a Hallmark card once. Right. I mean, that's like a common thing, right? right. But right. the way that she worded it just I thought was beautiful. Let's hear it. So this is what she said. I was living my entire life waiting for a moment to be special enough for me to look, feel, and act my best. And the truth is, you don't need a special moment or any reason at all to do that. If not now, then when? This saying became my mantra and the answer to a dozen different questions. Should we eat off the nice wedding china or paper plates? Should I dress up for a date with my husband or just wear jeans again? Bake some cookies for the neighbors? The answer to all these questions is the same. If not now, then when? You can spend forever planning out your someday when right now, today, this second, this is all you've got. Someday isn't guaranteed. What does that mean to you? Exactly what she said. It's just, it's so true. And it's it's just like the little things. You know what I mean? Like, you, t- you can take, I mean, everyone takes life for granted at some points. Like, let's right. be honest. It's human nature. But it's just, it's just even the little, tiny little things like, hey, do I want to eat off a paper plate or should I just want to get out the nice china tonight just because? Like, you're always going to say no because we don't have a reason for that. But in the truth is, you might never have a reason for that. It's everything all the time. And it's like every little thing in your life you just do because you feel like you need to do. In reality, you can do whatever you want. So, I love I don't that know. she says, if not now, then when? Because that's so true. Because you can plan forever. You can say, okay, a year from now, that's when I'll do what I need to do. But why not now? Because you don't know if you have a year from now. Exactly. Dude, I love that. Yeah. So that one really, really stuck out with me. And I do have one more. And this one is more about, um, it's, I told you this book is aimed more toward women. Yeah. Specifically women who have kids. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of women get caught up in the day-to-day life of taking care of their families. And they kind of forget about themselves. And that's a... I think that's a really common thing that women deal with in this day and age period. Um, But she really was trying to drill into her readers' heads that, like, it's okay to care about yourself and take care of yourself, too. So I thought this was really cool. Where I was raised, women are taught that to be a good woman, you need to be good for other people. If your kids are happy, then you're a good mom. If your husband's happy, then you're a good wife. All of your value is essentially wrapped up in other people's happiness. How can anyone successfully navigate that for a lifetime? It's no wonder so many mothers send me notes telling me they've lost themselves. Of course they have. If you live your life to please everyone else, you forget what used to make you, you. Wow. I know. I told you, this wow. book is incredible. That's a gold mine. Yeah. She and it's just full mine. of it's full of that stuff. My gosh. We should start posting some of those. We should. On the, the Grownish page. Because I feel like that's that's stuff everyone can use and, and everyone needs to see and hear. Right? What I appreciate about her the most, I think, is that a lot of what she says, I think I deep down already know. 
But her sole purpose is just to remind people. It's like, we all know, don't take life for granted. We all know that you can't value yourself and what other people think of you. Right. But it's so easy to do that day in and day out and get in that routine and just that's the way things are. And it doesn't have to be that way. So I think I need to read that book again, honestly, because I read it a year ago and even reading these quotes, I'm like, dang, that was a good book. I feel like it should be an annual book. I know. Just start your year off with some reminders from Girl, Wash Your Face. Gosh. 10 out of 10. And honestly, that's the thing. So she wrote that book and I didn't have any quotes from Girl, Stop Apologizing. Same kind of situation. But this time, I mean, Girl, Wash Your Face is basically like take care of yourself. Girl, Stop Apologizing is like you can do whatever you want to do. I love that. Yeah. So, I love that. Super powerful woman. We love powerful women around here. So make sure you check out the her. Facebook page because uh, we're going to make sure that the books that we talked about today, they go up there so that way you can see it. And maybe there's a link that you can go and find a way to get this book yourself. Uh, so okay. I feel yeah. like that's a, a good thing for us to have on there. Your turn. My turn. All right. Well, I'll, I'll get the one that I'm least excited about to tell you guys, but it's Dave Ramsey's Complete Guide to Money. It was one of a. I got this book for Christmas, you know, two or three years ago. I can't remember who got it for me, but I, I swear it was one of the most. It was the best Christmas gift that I've gotten. I opened this book up. It's like, it's like you know, it's a pretty dense one. It's like three hundred and some pages. But the things that are inside of this book, you're going to be able to to walk into your life after reading this. And even if you wanted to take it step by step, because that's what he does. He, he breaks it down from what you need to do to organize your bills, your budget, your money. He always talks about. Do enough to keep your four walls and your pantry full. Mm-hmm. He goes, after that, he goes, if you don't need to spend on it, don't spend on it. But if you have four walls and you got your table and you got your pantry full, he goes, you're living a, a, a rich life. And, and that's what he talks about is basically building upon those four walls right there. And, and how you do that is micromanaging your money, putting a name and a place to each one of those dollars that comes in. So Say if I got $25 in my wallet, I know that 25 ones in there have a name and a purpose and a place for each one of those. And he makes sure that he, he talks about finding those places and how to do that, how to decipher it, which is kind of hard because, you know, us at 26, sometimes this is the first uh, time in our lives that we're making serious money, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a salaried position or something like that. So you really need to make sure you're not just making your, your hourly wage anymore, you know, of you know, seven twenty-five an hour, and you can just spend it on whatever because you know mom and dad are there to to help you out when you go broke. No, you've got to make sure that you micromanage that dollar right, and and that's what Dave Ramsey's book here, um, Complete Guide to Money, it does. It, it just it makes you understand the value of a dollar in case you ever forgot or didn't know it, um, and, and it puts things into perspective about you know what you need to buy and finding those essential things to buy. The other one that I'm really excited about. One of my favorite guys in the world, Matthew McConaughey, came out with a book called Green Lights, and it has changed my life. I have—I I don't know when I got this book. I think it was sometime before the beginning of uh, January. But I originally got it on a PDF version on the computer, and I would scroll through and read it. But the book became so damn good that I literally had to go out and buy uh, a paper, a hardback book. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know how I feel about books. I just don't like to read like that. But this book has reinvigorated a love for reading I never knew I had. I, I didn't know it was there. He does quote it a lot. I say green lights all the time. All because the time. He, he, he really does make note of it. And what he talks about in this book is how this book is, it's a memoir. Okay. So, but Matthew McConaughey's start in this didn't come until his 30s. So there is literally 30 years before of all this of Matthew McConaughey being Matthew McConaughey, but it's, it's beautiful. 
I have such a love and admiration for him. I, I, I know I'm sounding like I have a guy crush, bro crush on him, but I have never in my life encountered a human being who has that love, that zest, that passion for life, for everything in life, like Matthew McConaughey does. And it's something that I think if you read this book, it won't take you more than getting into, I think, 100 pages in before it dawns on you that, wow, this man literally got everything he wanted in life because he didn't quit. He didn't say, woe is me. He was a simple boy with imagination. I mean, he talk, at one point, I'm not trying to get too much away, but he talks about literally um, living in, uh, in Texas. And um, his mom and dad were going through um, a split up, right? Mm-hmm. So his mom is living in Florida. But Matthew thought it was just a vacation. Mom was taking a vacation from dad. So the summertime, him and his dad were living in Texas, and his mom is out there living in Florida. So Henri Boy, his dad is out there, um, you know, working, and Matthew McConaughey's walking around in the forest behind him, well, kind of desolate forest, and comes across this lumber yard and gets this great idea. He goes, wow, I could build the biggest, best treehouse I ever could. He devises a plan to sneak out at night. He would sneak out from like 3 a.m., or it was like 2 or 3 a.m., and be out until like 5 a.m. when his dad would come in and wake him up for breakfast, stealing lumber out of the lumber yard and taking it, stashing it behind a tree. And then while his dad was gone during the day, after he woke him up for breakfast, he'd go out there and start building. He, I mean, Lord knows how much lumber that man stole, but he actually built a treehouse. It was a like an eight-story treehouse, he said. I know, but it's just the fact that, like, <laughs> you know what? No, like, it's real. Like, this is this is everyday stuff that, that, that boys do, yeah. you know? Like... And I have yet to come across anyone who is in a public eye like this who's willing to just say, yeah, I was a little shit when I was a kid. And I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of it because all of those things all led him to this point. They made him who he is. Exactly. Uh, Oh, my gosh. But what I will what I will do is I'll read the um, just like the first introduction here. And um, and actually, I think I'll start here. So he he talks about um, that all the journals that he wrote. Um, he found a reliable theme. So this is where it starts. He goes, so I packed up those journals, took a one-way ticket to solidarity, solid, solitary confinement in the desert, where I began writing what you hold now, an album, a record, a story of my life so far, things I witnessed, dreamed, chased, gave, and received, truth bombs that interrupted my space and time in ways that I could not ignore, contracts I've made with, my, made with myself, many of which I lived up to, most of which I still pursue, these are sights and scenes, felts and figured out, cools and shamefuls, graces, truths, beauties, and brutality. In <laughs> invitations, calibrations, and graduations. The getting away, getting away withs, getting caughts, and getting wets while trying to dance in between the raindrops. Rites of passage. All between or on the other side of persistence and letting go. On the way, uh, on the way to the science of satisfaction in this great experiment called life. Hopefully it's the medicine that tastes good, a couple of aspirin instead of needing the infirmary, a spaceship to Mars without needing your pilot's license, going to church without, without being born again, and laughing through tears. It's a love letter to life. And I, I am, that was right there, like what sold me. You were and, like, yep, uh, I'm going to love this book. No one can actually speak like Matthew McConaughey um, speaks. And I want all of you to know that Matthew McConaughey wrote every single word of this book, how he speaks. So if you know anything about Matthew McConaughey, just listen to any of the one of the Lincoln commercials, which, by the way, is in here. Um, he did make sure. 
and I'm just going to do this. This is a Lincoln ad from 2014. Sometimes you just got to go back to go forward. And I don't mean going back to reminisce or chase ghosts. I mean, go back to see where you came from, where you've been, how you got here. He literally wrote that down on a piece of paper and, and photoshopped it into his book. I love this. But that's what he said. He said that he would write things down to forget. So right. like lines and things that he would use, he literally would write, write things down. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Dazed and Confused. It was Matthew McConaughey's first ever movie. I've seen bits and pieces. I've never seen the whole thing, but I know I can, I can picture him in that movie. His first ever lines. All right, all right, all right. That's, that's literally his Gray first ever lines. He pulls up in the car, right? Yes. Yeah. And he talks about him getting into, literally getting into the mindset of being this character. Granted, he had like very little role in this movie at all. It was just a scene. But he talks about how he got into this character and what he would do and talking himself up. And uh, eventually at some point in time, I'll read you that passage. But um, it's a little risque for, <laughs> it is, for even our podcast here. But I encourage you guys this. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through it again for the second time around. And the things that I got away, got from in this life, literally, um, is don't stop being that, that, that inner child of yours. You know, don't let that go. Um, I, I told my sister this lately. Don't, don't lose the magic. Um, and it's so important because if you can just keep that love, that zest for life, that passion and everything burning inside of you and let that just ignite your fire, man, you're already halfway there. And I, 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 this book gives me that affirmation that that is, that is so true. So if you're out there loving life and loving just, just love, man, you're on your way. Don't give up. Keep doing it. That's that. I know. I'm going to close my, my corner. I don't even know story. how I can follow you after this because that was just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Matt <laughs> McConaughey, guys, like, don't sleep on it. He is not just a, a, a beautiful, funny human being. He is actually a beautiful soul. And uh, Green Lights definitely gives the introduction to that. And um, Matthew, I know you'll never hear this, but dude, solid work, man. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> 15 out of 10. 15 out of 10. Think it's a good time for a little break? What well, you think? I had one more book. Oh shoot! Hey, sorry. It's okay. Can we talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like I am just as passionate about this person as you are, Matthew McConaughey. Let's go, Bobby Bones. Bobby Bones. Do you know I, who that is? I only know him literally because you you say I talk it about him all, all the, time. the time. Okay, so for people who don't know who Bobby Bones is. He is the a radio talk show host of the top number one most syndicated country station in America. Honestly, probably one of the people I look up to most in this whole world. Okay. Because he works in radio. He started from the very bottom. Like, he literally didn't even know what he wanted to do as a kid. He called into a radio station all the time. He ended up getting an internship there, was scraping pennies to get by, has worked his way up to the point where he lives in Nashville, literally the number one most syndicated talk show host for country music. I just can't get like I, his storyline. I have two of his books because um, he's written. I think he's written two in a kid's book and I don't have the kid's book, but I have his two books that he wrote. And one is all about his life and just like how he got where he is today. The second book is more like advice on how to get where he is. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like he, oh. he breaks it down. Yes. 
and I own both of them. And it's almost like I want to read those ones again, too, because I was so wrapped up in these books when I bought them. But, yeah, I've been listening to him for quite some time. I mean, he's had a radio show now for 12, 15 years, something like that. Does he have a podcast, too? Yeah, so uh, I actually listen to his podcast because his show plays live the same time I'm on air. Ah. So he's a morning show person. But what they do is, so it's called, it's just called the Bobby Bones Show. Yeah. Well, then they have the Bobby Bones Show podcast. And what they do is they take every single segment from the show and literally just put it all together and make it a podcast. So people like me who can't listen to it live can go back and listen. So then it's basically just without the music then. Because obviously, since they're on a country station, they still play songs and like it's a little mix of everything. So when you're listening to his podcast, it's just listening to his podcast. And his show is freaking amazing because it's not just him. He has three people who are his best, most close friends on the show with him. And then he has a bunch of other people, too, who are all like, they're, they're basically a family. But like the one girl who's basically is like right hand girl in the show. They met at a restaurant. She was I think it was a Culver's. She was literally working there and she recognized him from being at like a local station. And they got to talking and they became best friends. And she's what? on his show now. Stop. Yeah. And then there's a couple other guys who have like made it along the way. And they all met when he was not anything. And as he has risen to the top, he's just taken them along with him. And they are like, they're just a family. So once you start to listen and they all have their own personality, obviously. And so it's like when you're listening to them and they'll play games or talk about their life, you kind of almost know who's going to bring what to the table because they're all so different. It's amazing. I'm obsessed with the show. My favorite people ever. So that being said, his first book was great. His second book, though, it's amazing. He literally, this is where he's talking about, like, this is how you do it. This is what I did to be successful and what I'm continuing to do to be successful every day. It's called Fail Until You Don't, Fight, Grind, Repeat. I love that. And his whole mantra is, like, you fight, you grind, and you you repeat. So it's like every time you find something you want to do, you fight for it, you continue to grind for it, even though it's hard, and then you just continue to repeat that process over and over and over and over. And he just drills that through your head the whole book. Like, no matter what it is that you want, just keep fighting for it. Don't give up. I love the fact that he said, fail until you don't. Yeah. Because think, I mean, everybody fails. Like, that's part of life. You're going to fail. You're going to hear no. It's the fear of failure, right? It's the fear of failure. And that's actually really funny. Well, you know what? No, here it is. So that's funny that you brought that up because one of the quotes I took from it is basically about fear. Really? Yeah. And I'm talking really fast because I'm really passionate about this. She's excited. I know. Every time I get excited, I'm like, oh, I love it. um, So this one is just about. It's telling people basically to enjoy when you're nervous because it's talking about like, don't be, don't be scared of fear because if you're scared, there's probably a good reason why you're scared. Right. Right. So it says, um, get to be genuinely nervous about a potentially positive outcome. Being nervous is uncommon. It's uncomfortable. It's stressful, but that's why it's awesome. Being nervous is how I feel alive. To me, it's a rush, a mental bungee jump. Oh my gosh. Because it's true. Like, if you are nervous, there's like, it's because you care about it. Right. You know? I think about when I was a kid, and it's like, before a swim meet, or before I was about to do a solo in jazz band in front of all these people, and I was like, freaking out and sweating, and it's like, it's because I wanted to do great, right? Right. And as you're an adult, it's like, there's probably less that you get nervous about, because you get wrapped up in your adult routine, you go to work, you do what you gotta do, but it's like, then when you are nervous, it's like, it's because you don't want to mess up. You don't want it. You don't want it to get screwed up. At the same time, you clearly care if you if you're nervous about it. So I don't know. It stuck out to me. No, I love that. And then let me let me find the other one because I have to remember. 
Oh, this one I think about all the time. And I think this is kind of another situation where um, we all kind of know this anyway. But then when someone says it in a book, you're like, oh, yeah, because you just kind of forget. Kind of like I was talking about Rachel Hollis. She says like the obvious, but in the best way possible. So he says, truth is, we feel like everyone is always watching and judging us. No, people just care about themselves. You've likely seen someone really botch a presentation or be really nervous speaking in public and never given it a second thought once it was done. Return the favor to yourself. That is perfect. Because think about like you will beat yourself up about whatever you do. And that's everybody. Like you'll be laying in bed and like can't sleep because you're like, oh, I could have done this differently or I should have said this instead of say that. But the person that you're like worrying about saying it to, they're not even thinking about it because they're worried about what they did. And so it's so easy to just like beat yourself up about stuff that's not worth beating yourself up about. So how how has that helped you? And maybe this might spark things for ground-ish people. But how has that helped you maybe wipe some of the things that come your way that, you know, maybe you were worried about at one point, but now, you know, you're not so worried about because of Bobby Bones and his mystical words. His, his beautiful way of putting things. I don't know. I beautiful. just try not to beat myself up because I feel like, and I, I'm one of those people where I do lay in bed and I'm like rehashing a whole conversation in my head and I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, like I really shouldn't have said that like that or <laughs> I don't know. Like I try to, I just try to remind myself of stuff like this. The same thing without like being nervous. Don't, don't, don't worry too much about what you say as long as you say it with good intentions. Like it's stuff like that. You just have to remind yourself because if not, you will get wrapped up in it and then. Like we were talking about earlier, you just like kind of forget to live and enjoy the moment. Wow. It goes, it all comes huge. back full circle with Rachel Hollis saying nothing, don't take anything for granted because you don't know if you have tomorrow. So I think this is one of those Bobby Bones is a, is a figure I need to start incorporating in my 2021 life. I support here. that. For real. Like this is uh, just from hearing what you said, you know, I don't think I've ever given and like you guys might be doing on this. I don't think I really gave Bobby Bones a chance from all the times that you've been telling me, but until you actually put his words in front of me and I am hearing them, like, wow. And the thing with him, too, is, like, he doesn't just write it in a book. When you listen to his show, he has callers call in all the time about just things that they're going through and wanting advice. And he just, like, he can just give, he can rattle it off right there and tell people how it is and what they should be doing. And, like, he's just so genuine. So genuine. I just love that man so much. He deserves everything. He reminds me of, uh, of uh, it sounds like he's the live version of Dave Ramsey. Because Dave Ramsey has his own radio show mm. um, that he does. And he has all those people call in about the money show. His biggest thing he likes to do is like have people call in and be like, we are debt free. And they all yeah. scream it. Yay. And they get all <laughs> geeked up. But it reminds me like when you said that he has people, uh, Bobby Bones has people who call in all the place. Yeah. Dave Ramsey does. These, these people, man, see, all the folks listening out there right now, Dave Ramsey, Bobby Bones, you two authors you need to incorporate into your life Matthew McConaughey, year. even. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Rachel make, Hollis. Make sure you get your uh, walls built and your irons and armored sharpened up. Fight, grind, repeat. Fight, grind, repeat. Okay, stay with us. We'll come back and let's talk about um our favorite movies next. You want to do some movie recommendations? I'm excited. Okay. Let's do it. And welcome back. It's time to talk about our top movie recommendations. And I have 
quite a list here. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't have a genre of movie that I like because these are all super different. Well, how many you got on there? Um, one, two. I think I might have come to a short to the party. I have six. <laughs> oh, boy. But I technically have, um, what's six plus seven? Thirteen? Thirteen. Because I lumped all the Harry Potter movies together. Nice. So, but nice. I have six. You know what, girl? Take it away. Okay, well, I'm just going to mention two right off the bat because I talked about these before. So we don't have to elaborate Which on ones? them. Elf and the Grinch. I'm obsessed with those movies. Oh, those are, yeah, those are the two favorites. Honestly, like, I will watch those in July, October, March. It doesn't matter. I know they're Christmas movies, but those movies are just my heart. Christmas in July. My heart and my soul. Oh. I love those movies. Um, so we're just not going to really elaborate on those because we've talked about them before. Well, question. Um, what? Which one, though? Just in case the listeners forgot or didn't hear. Which one's your favorite, uh, Grinch? The cartoon or the live version? Jim Carrey. Yes. Live version. Yes. It's amazing. Okay. 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 But this movie, and I've only seen this movie a couple times, but have you ever seen The Notebook? Never. Okay. It sounds like so just cheesy to say this, but because everyone is always like, oh, that movie is just so beautiful. Like, you know, it's so romantic. But no, here's the thing. I've only seen this movie a couple times, but it is one of the movies that I seriously was sobbing at the end. No. I cry to a lot of movies, don't get me wrong. I cry to TV shows, movies. I've probably cried to a commercial before. But this one, like, the ending of it just gave me actual chills and made me cry because I didn't realize it was going to end the way it ended. I don't. You've never seen it, and I'm not going to give it away. But this movie is beautiful, and it's, it's a book, too. Um, and I think I have the book, but it's at my parents' house. Oh, Nicholas Sparks, right? Nicholas Sparks. He writes some good stuff. And I used to read a ton of Nicholas Sparks books back in, like, high school, um, I haven't read them in years, but the movie version of The Notebook, if you just want a day where you're just going to be emotional and cry. Is just, that the one? That's the one. Really? Yes. Ice cream, Kleenex. Just eating the ice cream right out of the carton, sobbing into a Kleenex. Yeah. That sounds invigorating. It's It'll, it'll put you in your feels. Uh-huh. Yeah. All so, right, so I'm going to save The Notebook for a rainy day. Yeah, you need it for a rainy day. So I had to put that on the list just because I, I I don't I don't usually sob to movies like well, the way I sob to that one. Do you read the book first or, or watch the movie first? I ne- I hadn't read the book before I watched the movie, and I actually I think especially for you, okay, because I know you like this. You don't like to read that many books anyway. Yeah, I feel like you would appreciate it more if you just watched the movie. Okay, because the book probably has the same like twist ending, but I didn't feel like I needed to read the book before, and I thought it was great. And I think I read the book after, but. Just knowing you, just watch the movie. Wow. For sure. I'm going to get in my feels today, guys. I'm ready. And then I also added Harry Potter. And I like all the... I, I, you know what? I didn't add them to my books because, like, I w- when I was thinking book recommendations, I was thinking about, like, stuff I've recently read or stuff that, like, changed my life. I mean, don't get me wrong. Harry Potter changed my life. It's my, it's my everything. I love Harry Potter. But just, like... If there's a rainy day or just, like, my comfort movie that I would go to, any of those Harry Potter movies, man. Binge them all. I love them all. Have you seen Harry Potter? Yeah, I've seen a couple. I haven't seen any of the newer ones. Oh, my. Newer? They came out in, like, 10 years. Okay, then I'm all caught up. Are you? Maybe. I don't think I've ever seen the last one. Well, there's, like, the Fantastic Beasts that have come out, which is, like, the Harry Potter universe, but it's not Harry Potter. What does that mean, the Harry Potter universe? Like, it's happening in the same world as Harry Potter is. Oh. But it's, like, beforehand. It's, like, set in the past. Really? So it's before, like, Harry Potter, and those characters were born. But it's, like, same magic world, same, char- same like, 
magical creatures and yeah. wizarding world and Hogwarts still exists, but it's different people. So like Harry was a freshman. And he and wasn't alive. That, and and these kids were like in first grade. Um, You have it flipped. These people, the people that, <laughs> people who are listening and know what I'm talking about, they're going to be like, oh my gosh. The people, <laughs> the people that are in Fantastic Beasts, by the time Harry Potter was born, they were old. Oh. It's like set way before. I'm imagining um, like the Fantastic Four of like Harry Potter though. Um, no. Okay. I just feel like I'm gonna have to watch. We this. need to work with you on this because yes. I'm not grasping it. I'm not. I'm uh, folks. I've done this in the past where I've looked it up on the computer while she's telling me, but I'm not doing this here because I'm being a good, being a good sport. I'm mm-hmm. just letting the descriptive words come flowing out of her mouth over there. I just love Harry Potter. <laughs> I love the books. I love the movies. I love Harry Potter world in like at, in Orlando. I think about it all the time. I have dreams about it. I love magic. Okay. And I know I'm a nerd. We talk about this stuff all the time. I'm super into fantasy worlds and it is what it is. I love it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The first day I met Josh, I asked him if he's ever played Dungeons and Dragons. I did ask him that. That was a factual question. And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, you know what? This is too soon in our friendship. Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. I felt so judged that day, though. I'm not going to lie, because all I said was what? I I felt judged because I was like, oh, man, I just I just I just ruined this friendship because he's going to think I'm weird now. Well, I'm like, what is Dungeons and Dragons? She's still yet to really explain it to me. All I've got is it's kind of like uh, uh, it is a board game. Ish. Yes, role play board game. Ish. That's that's what I've gotten. <laughs> okay, look. The point of the story is the point of what I'm saying is Harry Potter, A plus. If you don't know it yet, you need to get involved in Harry Potter. It will change your whole life. I'm I'm ready for this. Okay. I am. Give me one of your movies. Well, I only have one. So oh, so should make, I keep going? Pick and choose when you want that one movie. Let me do because you know what? I only have two left on my list. So here's what we're gonna do. I'll tell you my second one. And then you can tell me your first, and I'll tell you my first. Okay. Okay, so my second movie of all time, though, uh-huh. The Wizard of Oz. Aw. I love that movie. Aw. When I was a kid. That's a good one. When I was a kid, I would watch this movie, like, at least once a week. Once a week? I was obsessed. I had, it was, I'm, I'm hoping that you've seen this one. Yes. Okay, good. Of course. Um, You know how she has the ruby slippers? I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Yeah, you know the ruby slippers, red yeah, ruby she slippers? she slaps those girls together Put, and then... Clap your heels together three times. Mm-hmm. Well, I always had a pair of those myself. Did you? My really? mom would buy them for me. If I got bigger, she'd buy me a bigger pair. So they fit me. And I would wear them everywhere. I was obsessed. <laughs> oh, my God. So obsessed with Wizard of Oz. So Specifically, adorable. there was a scene, and this is why. This is how you know I was weird as a kid. There's a scene, and I don't even feel like most people even know this scene exists. Where the Tin Man, they're in the woods, and somebody's on, something's on fire. I don't even remember what's on fire, how this happened, but something caught on fire, and the Tin Man takes off his little, like, his little hat thing that he wears, his little, um, I don't even know what that is, like a funnel almost, like on his head, yeah. right? He takes it off to, like, put out the fire, and he's bald, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever as a, as a kid, so I would have my mom just sit there and, like, rewind it so I could see him bald again, and it was only for, like, a split, like... Like three seconds of the movie, and I would cackle and laugh because I thought that was freaking hilarious. And to this day, I still think about that because You're my mom so was probably funny. like, "Is this this is my child?" Like, there's this whole movie and there's all these scenes, and I just wanted to see the Tin Man bald. You know what? It's one of those things that you're like, "Wow, I wasn't expecting that as a kid, right?" And so it's just like it was incredible. I want to see it again. Show stopping. Want to see it again? 
I want to see it again and again and again and again. I love that movie so much. There's so many great scenes. It's it's amazing. They did such a good job. And the fact that, like, when that movie was created, like, color television was just kind of, like, reaching its, like, its peak. And so they go from the black and white movie, you know, when they first start, they're in Kansas. Everything's black and white. And then she wakes up in the... What am, what am I, Munchkin Land or whatever. She wakes up in Munchkin Land and it's just like all these bright colors. And just to think like at the time that this movie was released, the people who are watching it, like how amazed they probably were because they didn't really have that many colored shows and movies anyway. So yeah. then the fact that it was so intricate and like in your face. So cool. You Love know, that movie. I did think of a number two while you were saying that. Okay, what? The Wiz, which was a spinoff of The Wizard of Oz. It was done with an all black cast mm-hmm. michael jackson was in it and uh in fact i had a, a a music teacher in elementary school mr keys he showed us this movie my life was changed wait did you just say your music teacher was named mr keys yes that's um, perfect I, I you know i haven't seen that man in forever i think i saw him one time out there and uh i just thanked him because no like he he inspired me with music he would show us all kinds of music and in the whiz if you've never seen it you'll hear just all of the music that is in there. I'm a rhythm and blues kind of guy. It, it tickles my soul. I don't know. And mm-hmm. uh, seeing that, I I liked The Wizard of Oz, but I never loved The Wizard of Oz. When I saw The Wiz, I loved The Wizard of I've Oz. I've never seen this movie. We're gonna we're gonna. I have feel to like watch since this. I like The Wizard of Oz, I probably would like it. Maybe it's I mean, different. I mean, it's I understand that it's different, different, but it's got the same vibe, probably. Right? It's so amazing and. Um, and to think that this movie, I think it was done in uh, 1978. So, I mean, it's just already at a time. Some of the f- uh, folks that are in there, Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, Ted Ross, uh, Maybell King, um, some of those guys were, were in this movie. So, I mean, it had big names in this, but it was. When you were talking about The Wizard of Oz, all I can think of is The Wiz and uh, young Michael Jackson in this movie. Yeah. It, it was perfect. But that's the number two that I'm going to sneak on there real quick. Hey, you're allowed. Okay. My number one, then. Let's do it. The Breakfast Club. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Full disclosure, I did make him watch this movie the other day for the first time ever. It was an experience, guys. Um, This movie means everything to me. Started off when I was a kid. And I will say this. This movie is rated R. And when you get older... And you, like, pick up on things. You're like, okay, this makes sense why this is rated R. There's a lot of, like, subliminal messages. But it used to play on TV as a kid when I was, like, little. And, I mean, I'm talking, like, four and five years old. And, obviously, like, I didn't know what they were talking about. So my mom just let me watch it because I wasn't really picking up on, like, all the little hidden messages and stuff. Um, And I, okay, so I always ate Pop-Tarts as a kid. That was, like, my favorite food. And I would always eat them for breakfast. So in my little five-year-old mind, I equated breakfast with Pop-Tarts. So I'd always be like, Mom, can we watch the Pop-Tart Club? Instead of asking, <laughs> Mom, can we watch the Breakfast Club? But she knew what I was talking oh about. And then there was these like years in between that I didn't never saw it. But I like had this vague memory of this movie that took place in a high school with this like really bad guy and this really popular girl and this nerdy dude. And like I remembered it, but I didn't know what it was. And then when I did get older, I found it again. And it is just... This movie, okay, it's supposed, it's super simple. It's only an hour and a half. It takes place basically all in the library of a high school. But there is so much that actually happens and it has such a deeper meaning than like it's given credit for if you just look at it at the surface. 
Because to break it down, there's like five kids. There's a jock, a popular girl, a bad boy, a nerdy a nerdy dude, and then like this like really strange girl. And they're all in the room together, and you can it's clear that they don't talk to each other in high school. They have their own groups. That's how it is. Was, We've all been in high school. We all, you know, there's there's different cliques of kids, and they all kind of identify with each other. So it's kind of that situation. But like, as the movie goes on, you start to learn about these kids' home lives and like the things that they're dealing with and the things that why they're in detention to begin with and what led them to getting into that position. And you just start to realize that, um, like, as cheesy as it sounds, like you can't really judge someone right off the right off the bat because you don't know what they're going through. And they kind of all start to make this connection of we are different. And at the end, there, there's a letter that they write basically basically saying, like, look, we're the popular girl. We're the jock. We're the brain. But we have all this in common, too. And so the whole movie is them figuring out that even though they're so, so, so different and they didn't like each other at first, when they really break it down, like, they're the same. And there's a lot of similarities. And they can all relate to each other. And they become best friends at the end. And everyone, like... There's two couples by the time they walk out. They, it's, it's great. I'm in love with that movie. And I've seen it probably like 80 times. I still get chills watching it. Do you know what movie? Uh, what part of that movie stuck out to me the what? most watching it? was um, And it highlighted what you just said there, how everyone is different. But yet, real, really, you find out at the end of the movie that they're all the same. Mm-hmm. It was when Sporto, uh, the principal guy, walks back in there. The door. Someone takes the pin out of the yes. door. Bender did. And uh, he's grilling all of them. Who did it? What the hell happened? And he looks at Sporto, the jock, and says, what happened? And he makes that decision right there. And Sporto, I mean, if you're watching this movie, did not like Bender at all at that no, point. They he almost didn't. came to a fight before that. But Sporto. He stood up for him. Stood up for him. Didn't say anything. So yeah. it just fell out. The door just closed. And I thought that that really was like the first uh, moment in this that was like, okay, wait a minute. There's a little bit more here because why would Sporto do that if he did not like him? So it, it kind of uh, was the gravitational thing for me that was like, what's going on there? Right. Because you could already tell that he was starting to feel for him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like when you they, they were stuck in this one room, so they really had no choice but to get to know each other because there was nothing else going on. For nine hours. For right? For nine hours they were in there. And it's like, you know. The 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 um bad boy, his name's John Bender in the movie. Um, he's like making fun of the nerdier dude Brian because he's like, "Oh, your life must be so great. Like your parents love you. They're so ha- proud of you all the time. Like, oh, you know." And then they're like, "Well, what's your life like?" And he goes into this long tangent about how his dad like basically abuses him and doesn't care about him and tells him he's terrible and a screw up and all this stuff. And you can just see the looks on all the other kids' faces, like, "Oh." That's why you you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. almost like they were coming to a realization yeah. and that moment. And it was for every single kid. Like the brainy kid, you start to realize he's only the way he is because his parents have pushed him to the limit. Right. And you find out some wild stuff. You do about Brian. Right. I don't want to give it all away because people don't but it, it's just incredible. Watch this movie, especially for folks in your twenties, right? I mean yes. this this is the epitome of like dealing with I think these types of situations in your life. You can all learn that life is a team game. And people are different, but we're all still on the same team. Everyone's got their part that they bring to the table. I uh, I don't want to give it away. You're right. But that quote, I've been thinking about that quote, the the letter that they read. Yes, the I feel like I, I would love to read it. But also, to brains. me, it's the very end of like, it's the very last line of the movie. And you have to watch it for yourself. But when you do watch it, if you haven't seen it yet, or if you're going to rewatch it, 
really pay attention to the letter that Brian writes at the end of the movie because it basically sums up the whole movie. It's perfect. I mean, no, literally, this might be the best movie ever produced. I'm so happy you feel that way because I, this is my favorite movie of all time. So to know that I pass that on to someone else just makes me ecstatic. Oh, I can't wait to pass it on to the next. All right. So what's your number one then? Uh, My number one, um, since I have been lackadaisical on my list here, while she has been giving us a beautiful rundown, I have thought of two. I have thought of one, which is called The Green Mile. It starred Tom Hanks in it. And um, amazing story. This takes place in the early 1900s in Louisiana. Um, Tom Hanks is a prison guard. And uh, there is a, a guy of the name of, um, I believe he, they call him Big John. Um, he's an inmate that comes in there. Um, he's convicted of murdering two children um, in cold blood. Later you find out, though, in this movie that um, that Big John really didn't kill. And what he was trying to do was... Um, he was blessed by by a higher power and given these supernatural abilities to to heal. And so you find out in the movie, even though that law has already done its course, that um, Tom Hanks and Big John in this movie come up with a, a friendship and an understanding. And you see some things that happen in this movie that you're like, what? But it all makes sense. And the, I think where the director was trying to get to was this movie was... Much like in The Breakfast Club, you can't always judge people by their appearances, even if it seems like undoubtedly. Sometimes you have to trust your gut. Sometimes you have to trust your heart and your mind and believe, even if it's all saying no. And um, I know that you haven't played spoiler in this, but I cried at the end. This is one of the first movies I ever cried at the end of. Um, And I remember watching as a young kid because they end up killing Big John, Mm -hmm. even though you know that he didn't do it, and it's been, they proved it, they didn't do it. And you just, the last scene in there is literally Big John, the prison guards in there, just tears rolling down their face as they're having to do their job, their duty, that the judge has ordered down. And um, it did. It became, uh, it almost was like a lesson of actions, like, be careful with your actions, be careful. Because, I mean, everything that you do, I mean, there is a reaction to that. And uh, in this action they convicted the wrong man. And unfortunately the wrong man died in this. And little did they know that this man was blessed with just unimaginable abilities that are unworldly. It's not the same that he was like an alien or anything like that, but he was an angel. Mm -hmm. He was literally able to take the warden's wife. They snuck him out of the prison one night, took him over to his warden's wife. Warden's wife is sick with cancer and is going crazy in the mind. Big John comes over there and, and they know what they're doing. They knew this was a risk. They brought him to the house. Warden was pissed. Did not want it to happen. Tom Hanks, prison guard, says, listen, we're doing this. We're doing this right now. They take him up there, and he puts his mouth on hers and sucks out all of the demons, all of the evil, all of whatever is inside of her that's making her sick. And it comes in the forms of, like, bees or flies. It's weird, but it's a, it's a concept. I get it. And uh, he swallows himself. So he takes his sickness from her, swallows it himself, and waits for his body. And he's this huge, broad, big, built man that, you, you know, honestly, probably be taller than this room itself. So he takes it on himself, and he sits, he stumbles back. But then uh, five minutes later, the warden's wife comes out of it and is talking sweet words to her husband all over again. Wow. And the, the warden can't figure it out. He says, I don't know what you did there. I don't. And so knowing that all of this happened, the warden even got to see it. 
they still had to pursue on with what the judge ordered. So it it was like, wow, we're really going to kill this beautiful thing that we have never seen before. And back in the 1900s, everybody was a, a faith-fearing man. Mm-hmm. Whatever your faith was back then, you were a faith-fearing man. So at that point in time, like, and that's in that age and time. So for me, it was, um, it definitely is about like not, uh, not judging and, uh, making sure that you understand actions, actions have a reaction and, um, you have to be able to live with those, even if they are the wrong ones sometimes. So, uh, very sad about that. My other one is good fellas. Um, you know, I'm very proud of, um, my, uh, heritage, uh, my family heritage. Um, you know, we, we've got some Sicilian roots, um, back in, on some of my sides of the family here. But this movie was about, um, it really was about uh, some of these young Italians growing up in the 30s and 40s and some of the unsavory ways that um, they'd have to go about doing business. And uh, the thing that you learn about this in this movie is that even though they are all criminal and running criminal enterprises, you learn about the family connections and and what they were willing to do for each other. And um, if there's any one thing that comes out of this movie you just really understand the family dynamic. And I know that this is like, dude, you're talking about mobsters here. I get it. I get it. It's a little risque. It makes me look a little risque. I'm not a thug. I promise. But this is, is history. You know, if you think about it, Chicago, New York, um, it's history. There are uh, sometimes there was some good that came out of it. You look at a guy, not many people know about this. Um but he was the union head for a long time. They always talk about where's his body. Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa was part of organized crime. But you know what? Jimmy Hoffa was also out there providing. He was like the Robin Hood for the union workers, making sure that they had their wages, their things done for them. There was no bigger person back in the 50s and 60s than Jimmy Hoffa. I can promise you that. He was bigger than the Kennedys at that point in time. He could have ran for president. And had he not gotten whacked, you know, he probably would have. But... um. So that is my, uh, that is, that's, that's Goodfellas there. My, I know I snuck two in there, Green Mile and, and Goodfellas, but check them There's out. There's no rules. Good, good. That was amazing. I really am looking forward to, um, to watching, uh, some more of this Harry Potter world. I know what you're was the movie that you said, The Green Mile? I feel like I need to watch that again. I saw it a long, long, long time ago. Like when you were talking about the scenes, I was remembering them. Yeah. But that movie sounds way better than I remember it being. Oh, dude. And I think as you get older, you start, and just like what you said about, um, oh my goodness. Give me a line here. You, you, The Breakfast Club, The Notebook, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. No, it couldn't have been. You, you'd said something about um, that it makes you think. It makes you, oh, you know, maybe it was The Breakfast Club then. I know we had such a great discussion about The Breakfast Club, but... Um, it is. It's another movie just about how you perceive things, how you look at yes. things in a different light. And especially yes. in this stage where we're so quick to judge and so quick to look. Oh, my God. Especially these days. And half the movie you'll spend hating this Big John guy. You will. Yeah. I mean, think about think half the it. movie you hate in Breakfast Club. You can't stand Bender I for a while. And I told you when we started this, I said, this is my favorite character. And then as we were watching it, I was like, dang, like, I can't believe like he doesn't look like. Like, I, I, he shouldn't be my favorite character. Like, when you're perceiving him, then I was like, just wait, though. Just keep waiting. Yeah, I couldn't and believe it. And then at it. the end, you're like, oh. Because the whole time, I'm like, just trust me. Like, he's going to have a whole, like, character development. You're going to see. But yeah. he does. He, he does. does. They he, all do. Oh, my gosh. Brooklyn, I am so thankful that you passed along Breakfast Club to me because that that is, uh, that takes a cake. 
And it made it hard to even talk about the Green Mile and no. Goodfellas because, like, Breakfast Club, that was it. That was the movie. And, I, folks, I, I adore Brian, okay? <laughs> he may be the nerd out of the bunch, but... There's so his, much to him, too. Oh, my God. Just his little, like, his sayings at the beginning of the movie. Oh. He is literally the epitome of just that geeky, nerdy, lovable nerd. So what do you say? We take a break, come back, talk about some music next? Let's do it. Okay, stay with us. And welcome back. We are going to talk about music now and our recommendations for music. And I'll be honest, I don't really have a game plan for how I'm going to discuss this. Shocking for me. That right? is shocking. Brooklyn I know. Beatty, no game plan. I usually have it written down, highlighted, stickers, stamped, the whole nine. That's the first. But I just feel like there's all kinds of music I can talk about because I've told you this before, but like music is what makes my world spin. If music didn't exist, I wouldn't exist. That sounds dramatic, but it's true. No, but I feel like that's the right way to explain it. Yes, I can't live without, without it. it. I can't live without it. I don't even know who I would be because it's been such a major part of my life. For so long, but... When you told me that you played in five different bands in one year, and that was not the lie, I, I couldn't believe it. That's 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 facts. And it wasn't even just one instrument, it was three instruments. Oh my gosh, who are you? I'm Beethoven, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, so I... I um, let me think of it this way. So I was kind of just jotting down, like, things to recommend, things to talk about. And I guess I just wanted to first talk about what I'm jamming to right now. Like the album I can't stop listening to right now. Which one is that? Machine Gun Kelly. His album, Tickets to My Downfall. It's the best album ever. I'm obsessed with it. Wait, what? Okay, so. Machine Gun Kelly's back? Yes, and he used to be. And this is rap, right? You like rap? No, this isn't rap. Well, okay, I do like rap, but this isn't rap. And that's why I'm like obsessed with it, I think, because, okay, so if you don't know who MGK, Machine Gun Kelly is, he does like rap. Basically, long story short, he had a rap battle between him and Eminem about a year ago, and I'm pretty sure he changed his um, genre of music because Eminem swept the floor with him. He really did. No. He really did. Is this why this all came out? I genuinely think so. There are different theories. (laughs) Yes, because did you ever pay attention to that? No. Oh my. I'm going to have to show you. So like, they would literally, they were releasing songs back and forth and they were aimed directly at each other. And I will say the songs that MGK did release were good, but like, He's not going to beat Eminem. It's freaking Eminem. They had a, a rap battle between between yes. le- releasing EPs. And it wasn't like a live rap battle where they were going back and forth. It was like, here's my song. Oh, here's a single. Here's a single. Yes. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. This was probably oh about gosh. a year ago, maybe, um, give or wow. take a little bit. And ever since that ended... MGK is like a punk boy now. And I'm like, did you stop? Did you? Ch-? And I feel like I'm trashing him because this is actually one of my favorite albums right now. So I love him. But at the same time, I'm like, did you switch genres because you got your like. Yeah, your ass handed yes. to you by Eminem. Yeah. So I don't know. But it can't be a good feeling. I'm actually really thankful it happened because I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to be a little like rocker girl, you know, back in the day. A punk girl? I thought I was. Emo? Listen to, like, Screamo and super, like, punk bands and stuff. I That was, like, my favorite thing, but this was forever ago when I was, like, 14 or whatever. And this just kind of, like, brings me back to those feelings. Like, I feel like, you know, 
Maybe I should get out my skateboard again. Hit out. Hit the slopes. No, Do I'm just have, kidding. Do you have a skateboard? I used to. I wasn't good at it. I pretended like I was. I would go out and stand in front of my parents' house and just like be in the street with my skateboard trying to like do little tricks. I didn't get very good. And did I also hear uh, we should hit the slopes? I was Are just... you a skier? <laughs> a snowboarder? <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I heard those two because if yeah, so, I'm over here like, I hey. threw those together because clearly I'm not a sport girl. So <laughs> everyone knows what I mean. The uh, ramps. Hit the ramps. Is that better? That's so much better. Anyway, we're talking about music. Um, So, yeah, so I'm obsessed with this album. Highly recommend. We obviously can't play the songs for you. But if you like rappers and you like punk music, you're going to like this. It's amazing. Take it to my downfall. I'm obsessed with every single song. One of my favorite songs on that album, though, is I don't even remember what it's called. Listen to this when I'm gone, I believe is what it's called. So he has a daughter. Think about MGK. He was 18 when he had his kid. And he is 29 now, so his kid is 11. And they are, like, PB&J. They are best friends, inseparable. Even though he was, you know, a really young father, it was unexpected. He has been there for his daughter, and they're super close. And, like, I just love their relationship. And he wrote this song for her specifically, because I don't think he has any songs specifically directed to her. But it's basically just talking, like, when I pass away, when I'm gone, like, this is the song that you can listen to to remind yourself that I love you. And it's so beautiful. So if you if you want to check out this album, take my advice. The last song in the album is the best. I know that um, I, I kind of gave the illusion there that um, I did not know about this album. But mm-hmm. as you were saying that, going through my, my Apple Music here, I didn't realize it. I actually have a couple of songs of, uh, of MGK, of this new album, on my phone already. And I got to tell you, if you would have told me that this was Machine Gun Kelly... And not just MGK, I wouldn't have believed you. Yes. Not even if you would have been like, nah, hey, listen to Wild Boy and now listen to this song, Bloody Valentine or uh, Kiss Kiss. Um, yeah, you would never have believed that this is the same guy from that. Right. Because, I mean, he's he sounds, when you know it's him, you can tell. Could you? But when you, I, I can. But, like, at the same time, if you didn't know, if you weren't, like, listening for it, I would just think it's, like, a new band. I was game for this. It's super good. Super good. Highly recommend all right, so I guess that puts it, uh, the ball into my corner. I'm going to go um, with uh, kind of, I guess, the same genre, but not in the punk world. I'm going to go with Mac Miller. Um, one of his last um, albums that he came out with was called Swimming. And um, obviously, um, you know, this came out, well, I believe, uh, the month before he passed away, um, back in I thought, 2018. And there's so many good songs that are on this album altogether. Um, I think of What's the Use, which is kind of a, a an upbeat one. But, um, you know, he's kind of just talking about, you know, what's the use about, uh, you know, giving, um, you know, giving cares in the world where their cares shouldn't really be given. And uh, I love that. But he also had self-care, wings, ladders, um, 2009, or 2009 and jet fuel. Um, there were so many good songs on this. And uh, the premise of this was is there's no secret that Mac Miller went through some uh drug and uh, drug addiction problems and, um, you know, entered a rehab uh, center at one point in time and broke out and uh, it wasn't for him. Um, And he had a girlfriend at the time as well that was very much in his life. So when he produced Swimming, he had lost his girlfriend. Um, He had uh, just came out of, I believe, a a rehab stint Mm -hmm. or maybe had tried the rehab, but it didn't work. So he was doing his own way. Um, But when all of this happened and he released this album, this was kind of the culmination of Mac Miller over the last, uh, 
I don't know, what, 13, 12 years of making music of where he was to where he's at now. And, um, and I think all of the Mac Miller fans out there, when you listen to Swimming, you listen to an artist that we have adored since he was in high school come full circle into manhood and um, to recognize some of the mistakes, to, to say, hey, that was me or this is me, you know? I think to own up to it, especially in this day and age that we live in, is huge. Mm-hmm. But to make an album about it and about like some of the feelings that you have, I think it says a lot. Um, and especially in the rap world, where it's so easy to make music about other things, right? But he, he, he decided to stay real. And I, I, I think you've told me in passing before that you're a Mac Miller person. Yes, I will say this, because while you've been talking about it, I've been Googling like his disog- disco- discography. Blah, blah. Discography. That's what I've been Googling. Um, and like, I don't know if I ever really fully listened to the album that you're talking about, because the song that I was remembering that was like, and I say new very lightly because it's really not new anymore. Um, I thought it was on that album, but it's not. But I was super obsessed with the song he had with Ariana Grande, the My Favorite Part. I love that song. Yeah. Um, but my, like, the my... The Divine Feminine, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, That's Divine the Feminine. Um, but I will say, like, looking at his old albums and stuff, my albums that I listened to were The Kids. Yeah. Macadelic. Um, Best Day Ever. Like, that stuff was, like... Wasn't there one cushion orange juice or uh, pizza? I think that was on kids, if I'm remembering. Pizza and orange juice. Kool Aid and frozen pizza. Kool Aid and frozen pizza is what it was. It's a work of our I ain't talking Mona Lisa. Yes, like that for me was like the prime Mac Miller. Yes. Oh my gosh! And And so I like I will say I mean out of hearing you know when you hear celebrity deaths this one like really struck me to my core when I found out because I literally stared at my phone for the longest just thinking like is this even real. September 7th, 2018. I, I won't forget that day. I won't. It was just one of those surreal days. You you said it right on the head. Surreal. I know. I literally was sitting there just staring at my phone like, this can't be real. And I was actually at work. And one of my work friends, I knew he was a fan of Mac Miller. And I literally texted him because we were in different rooms, but I could see him through the wall. And yeah. I was like, check your phone. Because I knew that it was going to shake his world, too. And I'm like, I can't sit and deal with this alone. This is crazy. But yeah, rest in peace, Mac Miller. I'm going to miss that dude forever. Check out Swimming's. I, I really do think that you would like that. Um, in, a, in a roundabout way, Brooklyn, I, I think that you would enjoy Swimming. Have you listened to Circles? Because I'm realizing he yes. had an album released this year. How do you feel so, about that one? Um, Obviously, I, I, it was like probably his old stuff that he just hadn't released. Is that what it is? No, actually. So um, what would happen is, is Swimming was actually part one. So Circles was supposed to be part two. Of, oh, of, of Swimming? Of Swimming. So when... Swimming was already released. They had already started making circles. So at some point in time, Mac had gotten up until uh, up into a point of stopping, but never completed circles. So his friend went ahead with the family's permission and completed some of the rest of the songs, the rest of the tracks, and just kind of had to improvise a little bit of what Mac would do. So consulted with some of his friends, some of his music friends, yeah. some of his family to figure out how do we want this to go. And all of the money went to Mac Miller's family and some of Mac's favorite causes out in Pittsburgh. That's so awesome. It was. It was beautiful. So my feelings on this when I listened to it, um, I waited until I think it was like 12 something midnight because it, it dropped at midnight on Apple. And um, I, I listened to that start to finish um, and then went to bed. And I just remember feeling um, 
Like it was over. You know, like um, you, you, you heard swimming, but you understood that swimming was something that was produced when he was alive. But when you heard Circle, and it, it almost feels like uh, Mac was ripped from us. But when you heard Circles, the album, it kind of was like you attended a funeral. You know, Aww, no, 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 yeah. it, it really was. It was uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But at the same point in time, you really did. We laid, you laid Mac Miller to rest that night when you heard Circles. Yeah. So, uh, but it's still one of those albums that you got, you're going to have to listen to eventually at some point in time. You, you've got to. There's, there's some very good songs on there, emotional songs on there. Um, I think he talks about, there's one that's called Blue World. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, you definitely gonna have to check that out. If you all right, I will. Uh, I guess I'll go back to me now. Absolutely. The one album, I guess, because I was trying to like think about what albums. Not necessarily my favorite album of all time or anything like that, but like, what is something that I just like have been listening to a lot that I would tell anybody to listen to? And I cannot speak highly or like enough, I guess, of Halsey's Manic album. That's like probably one of my favorite ever. Ooh. And I bought it, so it came. It was released. In 2020, I guess, but I think it was released at the beginning of 2020 because I've had it for a long time. I love everything about this album. I know every word to every single song on this album. And you know what? Like, so most people don't in this day and age buy like actual physical music because we all just have it. Like you have Apple, you know, your Apple music, you have Spotify, whatever you use. Um, But I will say I own this one on CD and vinyl. I have it for my... For my record player and for Inside My Car because I just can't get enough of this one. Um, And there's a lot of good songs in it. But the thing that struck me the most is she wrote this out, most of these songs, um, right after her and G-Eazy broke up. Oh. Yes. And that was a huge, huge thing for her because they were together for quite some time. That was bad. And they had that song together. Yeah, him Um, and I. Yes. And they, like, honestly, they were a couple goals for a while. Like, I was, because I've always been a G-Eazy fan, too. So to know that, like, Halsey, like, two artists that I have always adored for years that were together, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is awesome. And I was super into it. Well, then the boy cheated on her. Broke her heart. But. If there was one positive to come out of that situation, she wrote some freaking amazing songs. And, like, the ones that really get me are, um, what is it called? Oh, I'm Not Mad. That's literally called I'm Not Mad. And that one slaps. And it's literally, when you listen to the lyrics, it is straight calling him out for being basically, like, a piece of shit. Oh, wow. But she puts him in his place, tells him basically that, like, you're terrible. I hope your brother grows up and doesn't want to be like you because you're not a good role model. But you know who she's talking Like, she never says his name, but you know who she's talking about. But then there's some really heartbreaking songs in there, too. Um, there's a song called You Should Be Sad. That song makes me sad listening to it, but it's so beautiful at the same time. But it's basically just talking about, like, you know, we've gone through a lot and you're going to miss me and you should be sad about it. And what? I don't know. She has a lot of good songs. 3 a.m. is my favorite song on the album. That one's like super hype. Makes me want to dance every time I listen to it. But yeah, I don't know. If you like Halsey or if you just like pop music in general, definitely recommend it. I feel like uh, myself and majority of the world were fans of like her mainstream, like Graveyard. Yeah. What's the other one? I feel like there's another one. Without Me is big. Yes. I love how she incorporates the guitar into a lot of her songs. Have you ever listened to any of her songs that don't have, like, this? just, like, her and a guitar playing? Because they are, I highly recommend. Yes, you know why? Because um, one night she was a musical guest artist on SNL, and uh, she did Graveyard. Oh, my gosh. And she did it acoustically. 
her acoustic stuff is amazing. It was amazing. She has such a raw, beautiful voice. And this was fresh. This was fresh after everything came out about Jeezy and her. So like this was like one of her first like live performances and well I guess you call it live, but it's recorded. Yeah, right. But you know what I mean? So she came out there and performed that. And like, so all of us are like kind of like understanding like what she just went through. Yeah. But then watching this and it's like, oh, you go queen. You go queen. And you know what? She, because I, I like to attend concerts and I went and saw her a couple of years ago. Um, and I feel like sometimes artists don't necessarily sound the same or as good in person because you got to be honest, like in the state of nature, there's a lot of auto tune. There's a lot of different things you can do to make yourself sound a little bit better, a little bit cr- clearer. Britney Spears. Yeah. Not- <laughs> there's a lot of them. But yes, Britney Spears, she's been caught, you know, lip syncing during. But the thing is, like with Halsey, she was really, really good in person, too, which I so appreciate because she's just like she's just straight up using. She's just as talented, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not like you, it. it's not just autocorrect and voice tune. So she's more. Highly recommend. Check it out. Halsey's Manic album. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I'm going to throw it back to 1985, folks. Take a little back to the 80s. Bill Collins, No Jacket Required. One of my favorite albums of all time. Brooklyn has no idea about this. There's a song on it. It's called Susudio. Oh, my gosh. When this song comes on, I lose my mind. Fun fact about this song, though, and about this album. I fell in love with this song. I don't know, seven years ago, for whatever reason. After my grandfather passed away, I was uh, cleaning out some of his stuff. I came across No Jacket Required by Phil Collins, the actual original CD in his collection. Threw it in the car. Pop it on, the first song that comes on, Sister Studio. And I was just like, no freaking way. So I don't think I've ever heard of this song before. That's okay. Um... I feel like I need to listen to it now. Maybe our folks that are like 30 on, you know, they'll 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 understand that. Um, but there's all sorts of good songs on here. Don't lose my number. And um, you, you know who Genesis is, though, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Phil Collins obviously was the front man of Genesis. No Jack Required was his first album after leaving Genesis. I see, okay. So this was kind of a big deal, and 1985 was a big deal around here. Um Phil Collins loved uh, Chicago a little bit, and Chicago loved uh, Phil Collins. So, roundabout way, grandfather got to spend a lot of time uh, in and around. So, maybe that's where his fangirl came from. But he passed his fangirl on to me and um, in a roundabout way. So, yeah. So, Phil Collins, no jacket required. So, can I put you on the spot here? Do it. What's your favorite album of all time? That's hard. I, I don't know. know if I have an, uh, a favorite album of all time. Because um, eclectically, I love to sample music. You know what I mean? Like, um, very rarely have I come across an album that's like so good, start to finish. You know, like usually there's one or two songs on there that I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. like that's kind of. So like that would like deter me from not declaring that as a favorite album. I see. Mac Miller's Swimming, or uh, that was my favorite album. I would say you would choose that one front to start. But until I came across, and I, I can't say it yet, but until I came across, what's his face? MGK. So so you do like that one better? I can't lie. You For real? For wow. start to finish? Yeah. Wow, okay. It is good. It's actually, uh, yeah, back to that album really quick, Tickets to My Downfall. I don't think I skip a song on that album. I didn't. Even those parts where there's no music and they're just sitting there doing random studio phone stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. The content was great. I, I loved it. 
I have two, and this purposely, or not purposely, this, like, really shows, like, how weird my music tastes. Like, I just don't have, like, a genre I like the best, because I like two albums very, very much. Abbey Road from the Beatles. All right. Best Beatles album, in my opinion, hands down. But then I also really like Jay-Z and Kanye West's Watch the Throne. Oh, my gosh. That's a good, that's, yes. That's another album. I don't really skip a song. Was it 2008? What was that? I think it was a little bit later than that because I think I was in high school listening to it. I'm thinking more like maybe 2011 it was released, or this album was actually released August 8th, 2011. Um, But I just love every single song on this album. They have Beyonce featured in it. Hey, that was the time, man. I really like the song Who Gonna Stop Me, Made in America, Otis is Good. Living in America. That's, that's just that whole album. And it, I think also, also it's special to my heart because <laughs> I used to listen to that song, that album every single day in my minivan on the way to and from high school back when I drove my mom's old van, my swagger wagon. So, you know, here's an idea. I know that we have restrictions on playing music, but there's nothing that says we can't sing it. All right, go ahead. Take it away. I just sang it, <laughs> but I don't think that was the right song. I think I mistook, I think I think I mistook the one from the 80s of Living in America. Yeah, that didn't sound like a Jay-Z Living rendition. In America. That's beautiful. Yeah, man. Yeah. Any other music you want to mention before we wrap up this segment? So, uh, you know what? Honestly, I'm sure we'll have more that comes up. Uh, no. Me neither. Okay, well, stay with us. We'll come back. And um, you know what I actually want to talk about next? Because I'm going to be honest with people here. We've been doing something that I want to stop doing. Okay? okay. Why are you looking at me shocked? I'm it's, throwing you off right now. We, yeah, I'm, I'm listening intently. Because I feel like every episode we tease exactly what the next episode is. Oh, oh, You know oh, what I want to yes. do instead? I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out here right now. I would like to just start talking about what people can expect down the road. Because we we actually, full disclosure, we had a meeting not that long ago when we've been planning stuff out to talk about. And we have a lot of good we have a lot of good episode ideas. But I wanna I wanna I wanna steer away steer away from um like teasing every single episode. Cause I wanna I wanna leave things to a little bit of a surprise, you know? You're so, stuck with us for a year, folks. We have all kinds of stuff planned all the way through the December of twenty twenty one. You're stuck with us for a year. I think they're going to be okay with that. They better be okay with that. I hope so. If they've made it to episode eight and they're still listening intently, I think we're good to go. Let's go. go. Okay, stay (laughs) with us. And welcome back. So like I was talking about before the break, I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about Everything that you and I talked about earlier this week. Um, Which is just, a lot. What, and just moving forward, like what kind of episodes we want to do, because there's all kinds of stuff. But you know what I'm really excited about? And I know we haven't recorded this one or even made plans to record it yet. But we've had talks about doing a sibling episode. Oh, yes. And I am stoked because both you and I have younger siblings. And one of my younger siblings, Lauren, shout out to Lauren, because I know she listens to every episode. Um, she had an amazing idea where we have our siblings in on the podcast and we just tell family stories about like siblings and like things that we went through as kids and like the memories that we have. And I thought that was such a good idea. It didn't even cross my mind until she brought it up. It was so good of her to think of that. Um, 
what I had told you guys when you came to me with that idea, I had said, you guys are going to start Hunger Games in between my brothers. And you did. Because when I came to them with that idea, it was jockeying for who could blow up Josh's phone the most to stay in contention. Uh-oh. So I had to bar out a little basketball time for one of the brothers so I could clear that slot. And then it was like, they don't talk to each other. One's back down at Purdue. Yeah, silent treatment. Dang. Well, I still want to do it at some point. We're doing it. I think it would be so fun. And then We're also, because I like to talk family memories, and I know you do too. I even have a little sister, just yeah. in case we ever want to go that route. We can go that route. <laughs> But, I don't give my sister enough love on here, so I'm just going to hit a pause button. Jesse, I love you. You're my little sister forever, and I promise you, your day is going to come where you're going to get the highlight spot on this podcast thing, okay? Wow, that's a big promise. It is. Big shoes to fill. You can't mess up. What's well, on here, and I'm not deleting that, so okay. Okay. <laughs> she's going to hear that. So I'd also like to do episodes on like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents' Day. Like Talk about just more memories because I feel like we have so many stories. So many. So many stories. So you can look forward to that. Also, what I really want to start doing, and we've talked about this outside of the podcast, doing like book reviews or talk about books that we can read. I have a specific book in mind. I read this about maybe two or three years ago now. It's called 101 Secrets for Your 20s. Ooh. And look, we're grown-ish. We're still learning. This book is just full of, like, advice and information about basically what to expect in your 20s, what to do if you find yourself in different situations in your 20s, just things that you need to know. And I thought it was so good that when one of my younger sisters turned 20, I actually went out and bought her that exact book. And I was like, hey, you're 20 now. Like, here's a book about your 20s. It's really good. No way. Yeah, because I thought it was amazing. So I would love to, like, maybe do an episode just kind of highlighting the stuff that we found important in that book because there's tons of stuff to take away from it. I love it. I love it. I believe we even talked about uh, ideas around um, uh, an important time, which would be... um, When is Black History Month? February. Be around February time. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a look at some of the important figures in February uh, of Black History Month. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to try and make sure that um, along those times... We celebrate some holidays here. And, and, you know, part of this grown thing is understanding of where we've came from, right? So you have to understand where you've been to see where you're going. And that's not a Matthew McConaughey quote. Or is it? Or is it? Green lights. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but that's really all I have to say for the rest of this episode. I don't know about you. You know which one I'm really looking forward to? What? Um, I'm looking forward to um, our June 6th, which is our um, World War II D-Day anniversary episode, for this simple fact. Because we get to talk about all the Rosie the Riveters out there and actually go and find some. Brooklyn's got a journalist degree. And we're going to go find. You're going to make me do work? I see how it is. That's why there was a long pause there because I was like, ooh. I didn't even talk to her about this guy's. And I, just I know I'm staring at him across the table. And I couldn't look like, at her. I had to look at wow. the window, look down, just not look at her at all. Um, preferably, maybe I should just hit the mic button. Guys, thank you for listening. No, <laughs> I'm just playing. I looked at her. It's scary. It's not good, guys. <laughs> Help. <laughs> I'm going to take this moment to wrap it up. So, where can you reach us? Where can you reach us? Me. You can find me on Twitter, at Radio Brooklyn. And you can find me at Facebook, Brooklyn Beatty. You can find, you can find me on Facebook, at Josh Willie Williams. Or on Twitter, you can find me at Josh 
RW underscore Williams. And of course, we have grownish stuff you can contact us too. And I'm going to throw this out there, people. Please email us. Just tell us stuff that you want to hear on this podcast because I checked your email. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yet. I got some alerts from Twitter to say oh, that we've man. been tweeting. Oh, we have. <laughs> but you know what? We have an email grownishpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at grownishpodcast. And then, of course, find us on Facebook, Grownish Podcast. If we have to bribe you with prizes and things like that, we definitely will. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not afraid to steep down to that level. I am. <laughs> I'm not. You guys want to get paid? Let's go. <laughs> this is the weirdest ending to a podcast episode we've ever had, but we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it's it beautiful. just how it is. And if you guys like this, believe me, there's more to come. All right. Well, as always, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, folks. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.